Good morning. Good to be here. Thank you for receiving us. It's been a great morning so far, hasn't it? God's been speaking to us. And one of the things that God's been saying to us is he's been reminding us about his promises. His promises to us as individuals. It's important that we remember that we're a body of individuals, that we are members together of one body. But also God's given some promises to us here as City Church Sheffield. One of the promises that God said to us here a couple of years ago through a prophet called Roger By, who's based up in Cumbria, is that this church is not going to be like a marina. Now, who knows what a marina is? A marina is where you, you know, have a holiday boat and, you know, kind of leisurely come in and out of it and have a bit of fun. Oh, isn't it, shouldn't church be fun? Well, primarily God hasn't called us to be a marina-style church where everything's kind of cosy and, you know, holiday time and you just get on the broads and on the, you know, the canals and you just have a nice time. That's not what God's called us to be. Then Roger went on to say, neither has this church called to be a harbour. Now a harbour, you think, oh, harbour's a good place, isn't it? Harbour's like home, harbour's where you come in after you've gone out fishing and you've done some hard work and you come in and it's kind of like a, a place of fishing and it's a, I think that's a good picture. I'd, I'd quite like our church to be a harbour. But Roger said, no, Sheffield isn't called to be a harbour. Sheffield, City Church Sheffield, is called to be a port It's called to be a place of industry. It's called to be a place that's a bit messy sometimes. It's called to be a place where big ships come in and big ships go out. It's called to be a place that exports grain to feed nations. It's called to be a place that exports iron ore to go and build great cities in the nations. We don't exist, the word came that we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for the nations. That we're here for the nations. Have a look up. Kids, you can look up as well. See all the different flags? Shout out, what nations can you see? Great, that's it, that's it. This is not just a pretty... This is, not just a pr- this is not just pretty decoration. It's not that Ben thought, you know, I've got a little bit left in the budget at the end of the year. What shall I buy? I could, you know, put a new carpet in. No, I think I'll buy some flags. That'll be nice. No, this is a prophetic statement that these are the places that we're working or we have a heart to be working in. You can see various ones here that are very significant, uh, certain nations. Uh, third one in is Zambia. Uh, Will's just come back from Zambia. Actually, Bless Anne is out in Zambia right now. And Anne and I are going, tomorrow we're going to be joining uh, Bless Anne in Zambia. And then we're going out to Ghana. I'm not quite sure which one is the Ghanaian flag, but we can, uh, it'll be one of these ones, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe that one, I think, round, round the room. But God has called us as a church to influence the nations. Now, Kids, this is important for you as well, because some of you one day will go to the nations. Some of you are going to be called by God 
to go to other nations of the world. Some of us here are called to go to other nations. It's wonderful to have Becky back from the Middle East. You're very welcome, Becky. So good. We, Anne and I, had the privilege of going and uh, being with Becky and Tim in the Middle East and just seeing the amazing work that they're doing. But what impressed us the most of what they're doing is that in the Middle East, they're affecting the nations that they have four different congregations. I'll probably get it all wrong now. But they have a, a Singalese-speaking uh, congregation. That's lots of people from Singapore are there. They have a Tagalog uh, congregation. Uh, lots of people there from the Philippines. Did I get that right? I hope I get it right. And they have a Hindi-speaking. Lots of people from India. And then it's like a catch-all. They have an English-speaking, which is really every other nation. And... It was such a privilege for us to gather with a couple of hundred people from all different nations in the Middle East, praying and asking God to touch the nations. Now, this church has got a credible history in the nations. Um, it's, we've sent Mark and Debbie. Mark uh, used to be an elder here. Mark and Debbie Rushworth, along actually with Gemma, and uh, they're in Fredericton in Canada. We've sent Dave... And Rabina out into, into Vancouver, uh, and other various other ones uh, out into various other Middle Eastern countries, uh, out into Far Eastern countries as well. This church has got an inheritance in the nations. And I felt God asked me to speak this morning, and I, it may be that this is something that comes a bit of a theme for Devoted, our big summer camp that's coming up in a month's time. Uh, it may be that some of these themes I share there, just seeing what God's saying. But I believe God is freshly speaking to us. Lift your eyes above your troubles. Lift your eyes above your circumstances. Lift your eyes above little England. Lift your eyes above little Sheffield. Lift your eyes above your little village. Lift your eyes above your little street. Lift your eyes and see that God has a heart for the nations of the world. And God wants to touch the nations of the world through this church. Now, he wants to do it through many churches, but specifically, this church is a church that was founded and refounded and reformed with a heart for the nations. I know that when Arnold and Mary came here, what, 20, 21, 22 years ago, Mary, something like that, there'd been a prophetic word in the family of churches that we were part of and still are part of, New Frontiers, and the founding father of New Frontiers, Terry Virgo, he had a prophetic word that I think stirred Arnold and Mary. It certainly stirred Anne and I when we moved from the south up into Teesside in the northeast of England. And that was a word of this. It was a bow and arrow superimposed across the south of the UK. The south of England, if you like. A bow superimposed across the south. And the word was you're strong in the south. You've got a strength of a bow in the south. But God said, I'm going to pull the bow and the arrow. I'm going to pull the string back up into the heart of the United Kingdom, right up into the north. And as I do that, arrows are going to be fired all over the world. Now, some of us move north on that prophetic word. Dear friends, it's actually happening. There are arrows like Tim and Becky. There are arrows like Mark and Debbie. There are arrows like Dave and Rabina. There are arrows like Bless Anne. There are arrows like Will, being fired all over the world from this church. Isn't that exciting? Now, let me also say, in case you switch off at this point, I'm not interested in nations. I'm Sheffield born and bred. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a local. I'm, I'm, 
I'm Yorkshire. I, I can't, that's, that was Stuart Bergen's accent, by the way. I, Stuart's not here, but I, I can't really do it very well. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm local. I was born up road, and, and uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live and die in Sheffield. And uh, now, let, let me tell you this. You may never go to the nations, but God has brought the nations to us. And, see, Jesus said that actually we're going to go to the ends of the earth to touch the nations, but some of us have just to go to the ends of our street to touch the nations. Some of us have to go just to the end of our comfort zone <laughs> to touch the nations and to see people of different nationality. And also, it's not just ethnic nationality. It's not just different colours of skin and different dresses. and different. Actually, there are whole tribes in this city that are associated with certain musical styles or certain dress senses, or certain activities of life. The sports tribe. I see them every time we cross the Pennines on their cycle in their lycra. You know, the music tribes. The elderly tribe. The youth tribes. There are certain tribes within nations that are in Sheffield that God has uniquely positioned you to affect. So this morning, I'm going to talk on us being a church for the nations. So some of you, actually, I believe, will go one day to the nations. Some of our young people will go one day to the nations. New days happening next week. And we have the privilege uh, this next week of going to Zambia with a couple from Rogers Church in Cockermouth, uh, Lucy and David. And Lucy... She's now in her 20s, but 10 or 15 years ago, God spoke to her at New Day that one day she'd go to Africa. And she's coming with us this week to Africa, and she's believing God is calling her and her husband to go and work in a charity out in Africa. That's because God spoke to her at New Day. God could speak to some of you at New Day these next few days. God could speak to some of you today in City Church Sheffield. Some of you will go to the nations but also all of us will have an influence in the nations. All of us here in City Church Sheffield will have impact locally in the nations. Now, if you are from the nations, I just want you to say, I want to say you are so welcome. So if you are not born in the United Kingdom, or you wouldn't say that the United Kingdom was your heritage, as in, you know, I might be second or third generation, but my heritage is from another nation. Why don't you just kind of like wave at me? Yay, look at that. Lots of hands waving, lots of different hands. You are so welcome. We love the nations. God has called us to be a church for the nations, to receive the nations, and to be sending to the nations. Now, I want to give you some biblical background to this. I want to root this into the Scripture so that we understand what God has said to us about being a port city, what God has said to us about being a sending base. It, really, port city is another word for Antioch church. You've heard that word before, haven't you here? That we're an Antioch church, a, ch a church just like the one in the New Testament in the city of Antioch, which was a crossroads of the nations and sent people to the nations. So let me say this. I believe it's God's heart, it's God's plan has always been to bless the nations. Right at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the Bible, God spoke to the first couple and he said to them this. He blessed them in Genesis chapter 1. 
he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill all the earth. So God's plan for Adam and Eve wasn't just they had a happy garden in Eden and they lived in Eden forever. That would be their happy place. But God's plan for Adam and Eve was that they have loads of little Adam and Eves and those loads of little Adam and Eves would fill all the earth and spread from Eden through all the earth, therefore spreading God's kingdom, spreading God's glory, spreading God's fame, spreading God's love throughout every part of planet earth. And Paul later, when he's preaching in Acts, he says this, referring to Adam. He says, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. From one man, Adam, he made every nation that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Now, it's interesting, if you go through the book of Genesis, we haven't got time to go through it this morning, that's Genesis chapter 1. Unfortunately, we know the story that Adam and Eve, instead of receiving God's blessing to be a blessing to the world and to be a blessing to the nations, they get very selfish. They have pride and arrogance and greed and unbelief, and they don't choose to believe God, and therefore sin enters the world and judgment comes through that. And that kind of culminates in a very sad story. In Genesis chapter 10, it mentions all the nations of the known world then. If you count them up, there are 70. Now that number is significant. Remember that, kids. Remember 70, that's an important number. Because often 70 is the mark of the nations, the number of the nations. Now, of course, there are more than 70 known nations now. It's just symbolic. It's just figurative. In their culture, they knew of 70 nations. So 70 was an important number. And in Genesis chapter 11, those 70 nations decide that actually... God is not going to rule over the earth. A little bit like Rachel and her story about Nebuchadnezzar. He decided he'd be king and he'd be the one who'd rule. Well, in Genesis chapter 11, they decide we're going to build a tower. We're going to build this massive structure and we're going to rule on the earth and in the heavens. We're going to be the kings of all the earth. It was called the Tower of Babel. And they built this massive tower. And God judged them. And it said God came and he confused and confounded them. And suddenly they all started to speak different languages. And that's the root of languages and how they spread around the world. God brought judgment on them. And he said, no, you're not going to rule. No, you're not going to take over planet Earth. I'm still the king. I'm still the ruler. There are still promises that I'm going to fulfill to the nations. Man, you are not going to rule. I'm going to rule. And that's what God said. And then the next chapter, Genesis chapter 12, God restarts his promise with another family. Not Adam and Eve this time. This time it's Abraham or Abraham and Sarah, not able to have children. And God says to them, I'm going to bless you. God always starts small. He doesn't start in the big. He always starts with a couple. He always starts with an individual. He always starts with a small group of people. And he says, through you now, Abraham and Sarah, I am going to bless all the earth. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 12. 
I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So God says, my word is faithful. My promises are true. Hear Linda's testimony this morning. God's word is faithful. His promises are true. Even if we make a mess of it, God's word is still true. God's promises are still true. We can fail, we can fall, man failed, man fell, but God's promises stand. And God restarts his promise to planet Earth, to fill it with his love, to fill it with his kingdom, to fill it with his reign, to fill it with his glory. And he does it through Abraham and Sarah. And a new nation is formed, the nation of Israel. And through that nation, God is going to bring his promises to bear. And we find out later in the story that that's going to come through the Messiah. It's going to come through the chosen one. It's going to come through the one who's going to bring all the promises of God to bear on planet Earth. And it's one of Abraham's descendants. It's one of his many. Through hundreds, if not thousands of years later, one comes to fulfill the promise given to Abraham. One comes to fulfill that promise. And that one is Jesus. He comes to fulfill the promises of Abraham. So that the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3 speaks about Jesus in these terms. These promises were spoken to Abraham and his descendant or seed. Scripture does not say and seeds, plural, meaning many people, but to your seed, singular, meaning one person who is Christ. And Jesus came to fulfill the promise originally given to Adam and Eve to fill all the earth with his presence, restarted to Abraham and Sarah, that through them all the families of the earth would be blessed. And Jesus came not just as a light to Israel, Jesus came saying, I'm the light of the world. I've come to bless all nations. I've come to fulfill the promises of the Father that all nations, every nation on planet Earth, including Sheffield, Yorkshire, England, Great Britannia, or Britain as a, Britannia as it might have been then, is going to be blessed through the Messiah. In fact, Jesus' Jesus's favorite phrase for his mission, his work, the extension of what he's going to do is the rule, the reign of God. It's the kingdom of God. Jesus says 82 times, my kingdom, my father's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is saying that this, these worldly kingdoms are going to be invaded by the heavenly kingdom. And Jesus said this in Luke 13, verse 29. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south. And they will take their places in the feast of the kingdom of God. See, the promises of God are for every nation. There are no exclusive nations. There are no difficult nations for God to get in. There are no closed nations for God. Every nation on planet earth... East, west, north, south, Jesus said. In their day, north was Assyria, south was Egypt, 
East was Babylon, West, well, that was the Roman Empire. And these were impressive empires. And Jesus said, actually, in all of those empires will ultimately bow the knee to me. I will have a people in all of those empires. And Jesus promised that through his church, through his disciples, that that promise of blessing is going to go to all the earth. That's interesting. Jesus chose 12 disciples. Why 12? Somebody said, well, it's a really nice number for a small group. Probably not the most compelling reason why Jesus chose 12 disciples. Jesus chose 12 disciples because there were 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Israel. And the 12 tribes of Israel were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to bring the glory of God to the nations, and they failed. They didn't do it. And Jesus says, actually, I'm going to restart that promise. I'm going to re-underline. I'm going to rescore that promise. And I'm going to do it through my 12 disciples because there's another 12 coming. There's another, it's like Israel's being remade, refocused, reconstituted. All the promises of God that are made to Israel are going to be fulfilled through this new Israel, through this church, through this people. And interestingly enough, do you remember how many Jesus sent out two by two? 70. Isn't that interesting? 70 is a fantastic number. 70 represents the nations. And Jesus gathers 70 and he sends them out two by two into all, well, all the nations. Now this promise, dear friends, is going to be fulfilled in Jesus' followers, in Jesus' people. He gives them this promise at the end, after his glorious death and resurrection, when Jesus has achieved for us forgiveness of sins, when he's made right the relationship between us and God, when he's forgiven us our past and our suffering and our misery and our shame and our guilt and all the things that we bring bad to the table, Jesus came to the cross, he dealt with it, he paid for it, he took all the punishment, all the shame, all the guilt to himself, And when he gloriously paid for that, he said at the end, it is finished, it's done. Went into the grave for three days. And on the third day, he rose again gloriously, ascended on high, the wonderful Messiah. When he was resurrected, he spoke to his disciples again about the mission to go to the nations. He says this in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Luke 24, this is Luke's version of it. He opened their minds. We prayed this morning that our minds, the eyes of our heart, our minds might be opened. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And then repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these things. But he said, wait, I'm going to send to you what my father has promised. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now what is that? What is this waiting in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Well, that's Pentecost. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came on this early church, they were thrust out onto the streets to touch 
all nations. See, Jesus told them, wait till the Spirit came on you. And when the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You see, the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming on us, the purpose of us being filled with the Spirit, is not so that we can have happy, clappy meetings. Some people would say that. Oh, we're a charismatic church. We have the Holy Spirit in our church. Now, it's good. I'd rather we had happy, clappy than umpy, grumpy and miserable meetings. And I'd rather that we did have the Holy Spirit in our church. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming is not just to fill the church. The purpose of the Holy Spirit coming on the early church is to fill the earth with the glory of God. And for us to be sent out into every district, every neighborhood, every home, and indeed every nation of planet earth. And that's exactly what happened in the early church. To hear some people talk about the Holy Spirit, they become very personal. Oh, he's, I've got my personal prayer language. I have my personal counselor. I've got my personal walk with the Spirit. And, and, and I've got my gift, my gifts. I've got some gifts which are mine, mine, my gifts. I've got gifts of the Spirit. And it becomes very individualistic. Or even we could become a little bit, well, we just had the gifts in the church. It's just in this, you know, this is the Lord's Day. I don't know whose day Monday is. But this is the Lord, you know, we're the Lord, this is the Lord, and we're, we just have the Spirit in the church, and we just can use, some of us can speak in other languages, and some of us can prophesy, and oh, we've got the Spirit in our little box. God wants to break the box open. God wants the Spirit to fill the church in order that we go to the world, in order that we go to the nations. Now, don't forget, that's the nations at the end of your street, and the end of your comfort zone, as well as the nations and the ends of the earth. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Even, can I even say this, even some of the gifts of the Spirit that we so happily use in church, and it was so wonderful this morning, prophecy and pictures and visions and tongues and interpretation, actually, these are the very gifts that are to propel us to the nations. It's fascinating. Paul writes, doesn't he? Although I speak with the tongue of men and of angels... Have you ever thought about that? Strange, isn't it? So there are heavenly tongues, but there are also earthly tongues, earthly languages. What happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came upon that early church, they were pushed out onto the street by the Holy Spirit, and they all began to praise God in new languages. They spoke in tongues. But what was interesting, they were earthly languages. People from those Nations heard them praising God in their own language. It was the great reversal of Babel. Babel was when man said, I'm going to rule the world. Pentecost is when God says, I rule the world. Babel is when God comes and confuses languages. Pentecost is when God comes and makes things understandable by languages. Gift of tongues is supposed to be understood. Now, there are languages of angels which need to be interpreted. But I'm believing God more and more that we're going to hear languages of men. Now you think, does that happen today? Well, let me tell you, yes, it does. A few years ago, in the church that we planted, as Arnold and Mary were coming up here with the bow and arrow vision to re restart, replant City Church and reform what God was doing here, Anne and I were moving to a 
place that nobody had heard of in the south called Teesside, uh, Stockton, Middlesbrough, um, Cleveland, Teesside area on the northeast, and we were planted Jubilee Church. And one of the early couples that got saved, a couple called Paul and Maria, and actually all their four girls, four girls, Anne? Paul and Jill, Maria's the son, so thank you, Paul and Jill and their four girls, I knew that was wrong, Paul and Jill and their four girls all got saved through Alpha, it's wonderful, and Paul, when the Spirit of God came, when he started to speak with other languages, and we just assumed they were the languages of angels, but one Sunday, he got up and he spoke in a language, now let me explain this to you, anyone from Africa here, African friends, yeah? Well, we had lots of refugees in our church from North Africa, and they were from uh, Eritrea, which is next to Ethiopia. And in Eritrea, there are two languages spoken, Amharic and Tigrinian. And both of those two languages were spoken by our asylum seeker refugees. But what's interesting is a little bit like we have ancient Latin as a root language of some of our European languages, don't we? Latin is a root language. You can see how the root of Latin has affected French and English and German, you know, whatever. Latin's affected, you know, it's affected it. Well, there was an ancient language called ancient Gies, which is the root of Amharic and Tigrinian speakers. And ancient Gies is only ever spoken now in religious services in Ethiopia. And it's a little bit like Latin is, I guess, spoken in some Catholic churches, maybe. Paul got up and he spoke a lament in ancient Gies. That the people from Ethiopia, sorry, Eritrea, Amharic and Tigrinian speakers were able to understand a lament. They're asylum seekers. They're in a foreign land. They can understand a lament. It powerfully, powerfully affected our work amongst asylum seekers. Now that's few years ago. Just recently, we were in Canada, in Toronto, and one of our pastors got up and he brought a tongue, just like Anne did this morning. And at the end of the meeting, we had some guests there from Peru, and they said, oh, could you introduce us to the Spanish pastor? I said, we don't have a Spanish pastor. He said, yes, you do. He was the leader who got up and spoke pure Spanish and encouraged us to worship God in Spanish. And my friend Mark, who was that man, said, I don't speak a word of Spanish. Another one happened in Fredericton, where Mark and Debbie is, and one of the elders' wives, a lady called Hazel, got up and she spoke, which was understood by somebody from South Africa, she spoke in Zulu. And then only a couple of weeks ago, we were in Vancouver, and a, a, a girl called Gracie, she got up and she started very quiet. Well, that wasn't what she said, but that's me being quiet. <laughs> it was like that. I knew it was a language. And it was quiet and it got loud. Anyway, somebody at the back said, that was amazing. We're visitors from New Zealand. That was Aboriginal. And it was an Aboriginal welcome. And in an Aborig we knew it was genuine because in an Aboriginal welcome in New Zealand, you start quiet, we welcome you, we welcome you, we welcome you, we welcome you, we welcome you. And it was a welcome into the presence of God. How amazing. See, God still does, God's doing this today. God is using gifts of the Spirit to open up nations and to propel us 
to nations. And I just want to open our hearts to that. I want to get excited that God is doing it. And God is going to do it through local churches, through this church. Our inheritance, our promise from God is that we would be Port Sheffield, which is quite ironic because we're nowhere near the sea. We're about the furthest. People say to Ananias, is there anything you miss about, you know, yeah, the sea. I mean, I don't get any nearer in Manchester either, but I miss the sea. We both were grown up by the coast. We love the sea. And, you know, ports are usually on coasts. Well, in the spirit, we're on the coast. In the spirit, Sheffield is a sending base, a port city, which is going to send and receive from all the nations. You see, it's still God's intent today through the church to touch the nations. It's his intent through the church to build all nations together. I think it was St. Augustine said this, at Babel it was like a china doll was smashed to the ground and fragmented into a million pieces. Never to, like Humpty Dumpty, who can put him back together again? Nobody can. Yes, he can. God, in Christ, is bringing every nation back. And he's assembling local churches of black and white and rich and poor and educated and uneducated and experienced and inexperienced and male and female and young and old and people who like country music, who are they? And people who like rock music, who you know? And he's bringing them all together and he's bringing one new man. He's bringing this beautiful body together which represents the whole nation. Where else do you see that, friends? See, in our society, we separate and we segregate. Oh, there are people who like that culture. There are people who like that sporting activity. There are people of that tribe. There are people of that nation. There are people of that, oh, that's Chinatown, or that's Little India, or that's this. And God says, no, I'm bringing all the nations together for my glory. And in the church, you see it. In the church today, we see it young and old and rich and poor and black and white and men and women and young and old and all together as one in Christ. And it's a glorious demonstration of God's love. It's a glorious prophetic proclamation that one day, through the church, God is going to touch every part of planet Earth. There's a constant refrain that comes through the Bible. There's a constant song, if you like. It happens three or four times. It happens first on one of the biggest defeats when Israel failed to go into the land. Israel was supposed to take the land, not because they were going to set up Israel, but because it was the first footprint of taking the whole earth, of filling all the earth with the glory of the Lord. And at Kadesh Barnea, when they fail to go in, and they, they go then for 40 years around the desert, you know the story, God says this, and he repeats it several times through the Old Testament, for as truly as I live, and when God says that, you take notice. Because he lives, truly. For as truly as I live, and as the waters cover the sea. Now, I'm from the coast. I know that, you know, every part of the water on the sea, every part of the sea is covered with water. There isn't a single part of the sea which doesn't have water in it. Because it's very definite. It's like saying that round circle. Every part of the sea is covered with water. As truly as I live, and as surely as the waters cover the seas... The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
And that comes as a refrain through the Bible. And it comes to fulfillment in Jesus when he sends his disciples out and says, through you, this is going to happen. Every part of planet Earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. How? Through the planting of local churches. Through local churches shining out glory. And we take our responsibility in that in Sheffield. We take our responsibility to fill Sheffield with the glory of God, with the presence of God, with light and life and forgiveness and healing and restoration and goodness and kindness and love and mercy. That's our role, to shine out. Not to See, sometimes you hear Christians, it's come and see how we do church. Come and see our course. Come, and Jesus said, go and tell. <laughs> he said, go into all the earth and declare my glory. Dear friends, God is calling us as a local church. He's re-emphasizing our call as a local church to shine his glory, yes, in Sheffield, yes, down our streets, yes, in our schools, yes, in our colleges, yes, in our factories, yes, in our boardrooms, yes, in our classrooms, yes, across every supermarket and shop and leisure facility and climbing wall in Sheffield. But from here, he's calling us to the nations. I believe it's God's heart for us. It's not just because Anne and I happen to carry this. It's because you carry it. We carry it. I believe that's why God's called us here. To emphasize it. To encourage you. And for you to encourage us. So that we go to Africa tomorrow. Not just on our own. We go sent by you. We go representing you. We go with your blessing. And many of you are not going to go to Africa tomorrow. But you're going to go to places where you touch the nations. Local tribes of Sheffield and local nations of the world. Now, let me bring this in for a landing. What's the whole point of this? The whole point of this is not so that we get lots and lots more churches. This is not just a plea for let's church plant everywhere, that Christ Central might have more churches. This is a plea that we understand our calling is to bring all nations to worship God. I was so impressed with Hannah. Where's Hannah this morning? I don't know where she is. Down here. Hi, Hannah. Uh, I wonder at the end, maybe you could lead us in that song that you first led us off in, in this morning, about all nations coming to worship God. That's the end of the world, folks. That's the end of all things. The end of all things is a renewed heaven and a renewed earth where all nations will come and worship God. We get this amazing glimpse into eternity in the book of Revelation. We get this amazing glimpse into heaven. The, book of, the word revelation means apocalypse or unveiling or looking into things that are unseen. It's like suddenly the curtain flips away and we can see something behind the curtain. We look into the reality of the unseen world and we see what is the reality of heaven and earth. Actually, it's all nations worshipping God. It says this in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. With your blood, you purchase men from God, from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And as I looked there before me, 
was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, and standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they cried with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God and to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Dear friends, we go to the nations not to get more churches. We go to the nations to get more glory to the Lamb, to give more praise, another voice to worship him, another community giving praise to him. I love uh, John Piper, who's an American pastor. Uh, he a great writer, great theologian. He wrote a brilliant book about let the nations be glad. And he came up with this brilliant line. And he says this, mission, evangelism, apostolic push, more churches being planted. Mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Dear friends, our calling is to call all nations to worship the Lord. Is to call men, women, boys and girls, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, all nations to worship Jesus. That one day there might be in eternity... Every tribe represented, every language, every, every people, every street in Sheffield, every housing estate, every little close, every little road, every little bit representatives from everywhere, from your class, that new class that you're going to go into next year in September, a representative from that class, a representative from your school, representatives from your college, representatives from where you work, every tribe. Every tongue, every language is going to worship the Lamb. Dear friends, that's our commission. That's our calling. That's why we go to nations. Not to have jollies. Not to have more stamps in passports. We go that more worship, more glory, more honour and more praise might go to Jesus.